Hello and welcome to the last episode of season four. It's Cardiff with Manic Street Preachers as overrated and McCluskey as underrated with special guest Kerry Mitchell from the Playlist Year podcast. We've had a lovely season this time around. There's been Eurovision, there's been a lot of rock, there's been some pop and we don't know when the fifth season will come out. I guess I'm recording this without talking to Fran about it, but um, I personally have a million and one weddings too that I'm going to this summer because they're all catching up on me. So I reckon not for a couple of months yet will we have enough episodes for season five, but we will definitely be back. Let's get into the episode. Fran will be back at the end to outro. So see you next time. Oh, hang on. Yeah, what are we calling this podcast? (laughs) Was it over underrated? Over underrated. Sous évalué. Überschätzt. Over underrated. And welcome to another episode of Over Underrated. It's Fran here. I am not alone because I have my co-host, Babs in Belgium. Hello, Babs in Belgium. B-I-B. Hello there, Fran in Bournemouth. Is there is there an F place that we could alliterate with nearby? Froome? Is that I, anywhere near you? I went to Ferndown School. That's the first time they've ever been mentioned on a podcast. Well, See, bants Shout out to them. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag bants with a Z. <laughs> oh, it begins so well. Um, so apart from naming your primary school, secondary school? All of them. All of all them. Ferndown oh. first, middle and upper. Let us know if you went to Ferndown school. <laughs> Looking forward to not hearing from you because I hate you guys. Um, but <laughs> They put me in the corner. Wow, childhood <laughs> trauma uncovered live on the Over Underrated podcast. I have been listening to some things today and yesterday and all week. And, uh, Tell me more. It's this crazy thing called a music podcast because I don't really listen to much music actually, which is why I do this podcast to force me to get back into listening to music like I did back in 2008 before I discovered podcasts. And I have been listening to the Raconteurs podcast. Oh, I didn't know they had a podcast. Well, I mean... <laughs> oh, not the band, not the band. <laughs> no, it's not Jack White. Um, we are talking oh, about... Oh, there are many shades of black. Okay. We are talking about uh, the Gary Kemp from Span the Ballet yes. and Guy Pratt from many other bands talking to people. And this week we're talking to David Arnold, the composer. The, the, the composer, he used to do James Bond. He did uh, Play Dead with Bjork and many other theme tunes and stuff and uh, last week was Jim Kerr from Simple Minds and it's a lovely chat and I highly recommend it. Have you been listening to anything good this week? Uh, well, I have been listening to podcasts related to our underrated pick which we will get into but um, music wise I have been going a bit retro and listening to a lot of Uffy which I don't know if that means anything to either of you. I have uh, uh, played Uffy at an indie disco back in 2007. Yes you did, yes you did. <laughs> so um, in Brussels it's the Les Nuits Festival at Botanique and Uffy was performing and I'd heard stuff about her performance and how it wasn't so fantastic so I was a little bit concerned and the evening started with um, the uh, screen not working so she had to do it with with no backdrop and you know while it's true that there was a lot of backing vocals um, there was a very good bass player she had all the right attitude and finished with pop the glock and invited everyone on stage so it was a very nostalgic good time and she actually has uh, an album coming out soon and she played quite a few songs off it. So I recommend Offie for nostalgia's sake. So are you happy with the audience for once? 
Um, well, it was, let's say, a more LGBT plus audience than usual, which generally means more of a good time. I hadn't realized. I, I did think a lot about how she's the precursor to Charlie XCX. And I think the Charlie XCX concert I went to in 2019 was one of the most LGBT concerts I've ever been to. And that was great. There were loads of drag queens who she knew about and then invited on the stage as well. So it was generally more of a good time. I, there was this gay couple next to me, which was brilliant because one of them was so into it. And the other guy was hugging him from behind, totally oblivious, like just totally not enjoying it. But you could see he, he was there for his partner. He kept getting the beers in. It was it was a lovely sight to behold. Some uh, inclusiveness at the Botanical Gardens. Uh, but I feel like I'm going a bit off topic here <laughs> and ignoring our guest because we are not alone. We have Kerry Mitchell from the Playlist Year podcast. Hello, Kerry. Hi guys, how's it going? Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me. I was actually going to wonder, because I was thinking about Uffie, because how old is she now? Because wasn't she super, super young when she... She like, is uh, slightly younger than me. She is, um, she was born in 1987, as was I, but I was born in August, she was born in December. So she is 34 years old. Okay. <laughs> but have you been listening to Uffie or anything else this week, Carrie? Um, well, I, was, um, I think you guys spoke about Wet Leg before mm-hmm. um and i was listening to, i went on holiday the other week and i put that album on because i didn't like uh Shay's lounge that much uh when it came out i find it a bit irritating but the rest of the album when i was listening to it i actually found pretty pretty good pretty enjoyable i mean i like wet dream i think this is a really really good uh pop indie indie track um this is it. I think they've got it down. I think I think it's a it's a perfect formula because it's indie enough for indie and pop enough for pop, and I think that's why they've been so successful. But I checked out some videos. I wasn't so sure on. on I'm interested to see what they'd be like live because they also seem very young. And somehow the stage performance. I was like, if they're going in five years' time, I'm not sure if some of their stage moves will still be um, looking quite so uh, cool. Uh, you know. But yeah, I, uh, so I mentioned the Les Nuits Festival. They are actually playing Les Nuits Festival on the 15th of May. However, it is very, very sold out. So I've signed up to Ticket Swap to see if I can get a ticket because uh, another previously mentioned band, Turnstile, they had a sold out concert in June and I just managed to, to nab a ticket there. So I'm hoping the ticket angels are going to shine brightly on me and I can see Wet Leg basically in, in 12 days time. Fingers oh, crossed. Okay. I'm yeah. a bit gutted because they were supposed to play Camp Festival last June and they cancelled. And I could be, be that person you could say, oh yeah, I saw Wet Leg like in 2021 before you guys heard of them. But sadly, this I will probably it. never see them again. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm very close because Botanique is a very small venue. So they for, the, for this festival, they um, erect a stage outside, but it's, I would say, tops 500 people. Uh, so I would really, really like to see them in that atmosphere. Even though I do think that because they are very trendy, it is going to be full of insufferable hipsters. So I'm going to have to elbow my way to the front. So actually, I went to just talking. Um, I was I went to see Idols the other day um, in Berlin, and that was pretty. The audience was pretty good. But I have been to, like, how should I put it? When I first, so I've been in Berlin since 2009. When I first came, I came from Cardiff, which was quite an indie city, and then coming into what is quite a heavily electronic and especially techno at this point, which was, uh, I'm still arguing, isn't uh, the type, a type of music which I've necessarily grown to <laughs> like love so much. So I remember going to some like rock or like indie kind of gigs, and the audiences were um, okay. But I've seen better, better ones, yeah. if I'm honest. Um, but I have actually seen some very, very, very niche ones. And uh, talking about my underrated acts, day, I did see the his band after that, um, 
in Berlin and the audience there was really, really good. But it kind of felt like they were a bit starved of that kind of music, possibly, when I was there. So you're not much of a Scooter fan, uh, Kerry? Not even... Ju- I, saying that, I have seen Scooter live in Berlin. Oh, wow. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I didn't want to go to it. I worked in a hotel and it was right close to... Uh, it would be like the O2 world, so the same as the O2 arena. Mm. And Scooter were playing there. They had some comp tickets and someone said... I want to go to Scooter. And I said, I don't really want to go to Scooter. He said, please come with me. So I went to Scooter and I was like, you know, I've seen Scooter live for free. Um, so how was Scooter under duress? Um, it was like, imagine seeing a bunch of quite uncool parents with quite a lot of children with them whilst the parents are flipping out and the kids are just kind of like, I'm going to stay up past 10 o'clock tonight. <laughs> so tell me, in Germany, does he still do his like broken broken English chants like, go on, rave people, come on, come on, let's move it. Yeah, so does that he? was that was like, <laughs> I found really weird. He didn't, he didn't, he introduced the whole backline in English and I was like, bear in mind, you're German, so... <laughs> and the scooter crowd, um, I'm not sure how multilingual they are, but they didn't, you know... Um, I think they'd appreciate it if he was, uh, you know, using his native tongue. Wow. Well, no one expected to have a scooter chat. No, not especially not when we have the theme today, which is is it, it's Cardiff, right? It's not Wales. We can be specific. It's, it's, it's been Cardiff. Cardiff, yeah. It's been Cardiff. So, Kerry, before recording, uh, I asked because of your name if you were Welsh, and I wondered if that was maybe why you'd pick this theme. But it seems you have a story to tell. Yeah. So, no, I'm from the home counties. I'm from Hertfordshire originally, um, but. Um, I did go to Cardiff to study in 2003 and stayed there until before I moved to Berlin in 2009. So that's where, uh, and I guess that informed a lot of myself because I was 19 when I moved to Cardiff and what, 24, 25 when, when I left. Um, and uh, arguably then I had my own musical career while I was in Cardiff. Um, I had my own band, Threatmantics, um, who we got signed to Domino Records, and nice. uh, which was uh, pretty good. And then obviously made a lot of musical friends whilst I was there. And then I moved away from Cardiff. Uh, and that was kind of the end of my musical career. Um, but, but during that time, there was obviously a lot of, um, you know, Welsh influence or um, the band who I played in was with two, two Welsh guys and just my friends and things like that. And there's a different kind of love for certain things which comes out of Wales when you are in Wales, um, which has informed my uh, overrated choice today being the Manic Street Preachers because some people seem to really, really like that band. And I did, and just to listen back to some of the other episodes, it felt like some people chose bands who they rated, also rated overrated, who they liked Mm -hmm. and I guess I'm going to probably go into this and say that um, I don't like the Manic Street Preachers very much and from going back and listening to a little bit more I would kind of go you know what I I, I maybe even like them less than I remembered (laughs) liking them Um, but and part of the reason why I wrote to you guys initially was because there was a BBC Six Music Festival recently which was in Cardiff and it had the Manic Street, uh, Manic Street Preachers playing in Clubby for Bach which is a really kind of institutional live music venue um, and it was all the time on, on the radio and I was like and my, my wife said to me can we turn this off it's quite annoying and I said <laughs> it, 
it, yes, yes, it is. And then I saw it, so yeah, and I said, you know, and I was feeling a little bit angry. I said, you know, who's overrated? The Manic Street Preachers. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, uh, and that's that's how I that's how I landed on them. And as a result, have spent um, was it the last couple of weeks since I, I guess I wrote to you, listening to more Manic Street Preachers than I've probably listened to in the last fifteen years, um, and um, um, confirming that I was right that I don't think they are a fantastic band. I, I love how I feel like we've become a service for people who want to rant about bands that they hate <laughs> or bands that they love because just before this podcast I was I, I didn't even read out the message but I was saying to Fran that um, this guy who's just connected with me sent me like a, a long um, treatise on bands he thinks are overrated and underrated without me even asking and I fucking love it I love it so okay very good it's nice to have the passion but I wonder if we can persuade you who knows what's going to happen who knows what's going to happen probably not <laughs> But Fran, what's what's your relationship with with Mannix? And I, I guess you have more of a relationship with Wales than I do because you have family I, there. I, I have a father who, like self, is in no means Welsh, who just moved there <laughs> because houses are cheap. Um, <laughs> but speaking of of the Welsh scene in the noughties, did you know Los Campesinos and For Joy Formidable? That two bands I know from that era. So um, yeah, I played shows with both those bands actually, and I was in the pub. There was a night called Twisted by Design and Los Campesinos came in. They recorded the demo for Yumi Dancing mm-hmm. and they came in and they played it in the pub whilst we were there. And everyone was like, oh, good. This is quite a catchy, catchy tune. Um, yes. So, yes, I, yeah, I do know those fans. And that's exactly the time which I was playing. I will just quickly interrupt to say hi to Matt from Pick a Disc because I know that Los Campesinos are possibly his favourite band. And he's even been sharing a Los Campesinos hurdle that he's doing. So <laughs> if, uh, for the Los Campesinos fans out there, follow Pick a Disc get your Los Campesinos uh, quota. And when you heard that song, did you think, oh, this will be a big uh, Xbox uh, advert track in the future? <laughs> <laughs> um, what should I say? Um, when I heard that track, Fran, I was maybe, um, I'd had a couple of drinks and it was quite a nice little uh, danceable tune to, to keep the night going. But they're all there and they're all clapping along with themselves. And um, oh. that, was, that was also a little bit like, I'm not sure if that's cool. Um, <laughs> oh, we'll definitely get into that as a theme in both bands thinking about how great your band is for sure okay but regarding the manic street preachers um i am aware of them um i am of the, the era i'm i was around the 90s i remember seeing them in smash hits magazine in the early 90s and being a bit scared of the name and the balaclavas they wore and uh ignoring them for a while whilst i listened to do the bartman on tape um <laughs> and then i think they got a track on the second album which may have been on game on the theme tune for like a TV show, but then I didn't know them at all until they brought out Design for Life, and obviously that became a, a massive a Brit pop hit. I've never been a massive fan. I think I think I own that album. Everything must go, and I was then disappointed by the next three or four albums. And then in the last twenty years, they probably do maybe two singles per album. I like, but I will say I've seen them live at festivals, and they are a decent live act, but. Yeah, I, I'm not like an avid Manix fan, and there are many avid Manix fans with feather boas on, probably listening to this, hopefully. Babs? Mm. Yeah, so, um, yeah, being a bit younger than you, Fran, my uh, exposure to the Manix was, uh, if you tolerate this, then your children will be next. That was the first one, and the creepy music video that freaked me the fuck out because I was 11 years old. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's been interesting because yeah, coming coming into this, I'm like for sure, Manix are overrated again. One of those bands where the fans are just frothing at the mouth about how great they are, and I'm like, really? 
uh i mean you've got to hand it to them they've been together for bloody ages and they've like they've been together 35 years and have 14 studio albums so i mean hats off for that but they are undeniably huge they've got 1.49 million monthly listeners um i think you know kind of analyzing them a bit more i think what confuses me about the manics is i can understand why their image and their politics is you know intriguing especially in the time that they came out but what's interesting about them is like they sing about tough political subjects with some very melodic music so you know rage against the machine they are absolutely not and um given what's happening in the u.s at the moment with abortion rights i i discovered a song today called uh, butyric acid by a band called consolidated have you guys heard of them no like they're this very political u.s band who sang this very political song about abortion and i was like yeah actually that's that's more what i'd be thinking of when you're talking about the spanish civil war and uh and other stuff um so yeah i'm like i'm interested in in their kind of cultural position and what they have to say but i'm not a huge fan of the music um and i i just reading into them a bit more i think they're they're a bit of a this is, I'm going to get crazy. Go on, go They're on, a bit of a poser it. band. Like, I feel like they have this, like, swagger and arrogance uh, about them. Like, you know, I, I only found out actually on the podcast what Fran said that they wanted to be, like, bigger than Guns N' Roses, which is, mm. again, seems at odds with their kind of... But I wonder, is that the band or is that the Snicky Wire? <laughs> this, I don't know. But I, I read an article which was like, there are six steps. We need a double album for the debut. We need to match the 16 million sales of Guns N' Roses. We need to headline Wembley Stadium. We need to instigate a cultural so- socialist revolution. We need to set ourselves on fire on top of the pops and then split up. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Nicky Wilde's come out saying some terrible things in the past. Oh, like... yeah, yeah. And Richie Edwards <laughs> as well, yeah. Can I, can I jump in? Because Nicky, because I, part of it as well, I remember like a turning point for me with it. And I went back to find this article and I realised it's 18 years ago. There was a thing. It was only a really short article in the NME. And at the time, I, well, you know, I really liked the White Stripes back uh, when they, they first came, like 2002 or whatever, 2001, 2002. And there was just, Nicky Wire came out and it was just a short article. And bear in mind, this is my high thing. It said, Nicky Wire base, uh, Man of Streets Preachers basis. Nicky Wire has hit out at bands like the White Stripes and Jet. Okay, can, Jet's fine. Brandon, them fucking crap. Um, so boring. Like... I, mean, I mean, that's not bad. I mean, he reckoned that uh, Michael Stipes had died of AIDS. Oh, hang oh. on. I have so, another one for yeah. you that Richie Edwards said. So Richie Edwards says that we will always hate shoegazers like Slow Dive more than we hate Adolf Hitler. I oh, mean, dear. but I don't know yeah. if it's just them trying to like dance along the rock and roll sort of. But again, journey. it goes back to how many times we've mm. discussed this in punk where it's like, I, I feel that they're like, you know, it, it leftist for the for intellectual sake rather than actually what they believe in quite honestly like i can believe that they enjoy reading philosophy and they're clearly very smart and like i said i i enjoy the topics of their songs but i'm just like this is like kind of you know white men playing devil's advocate is, is what it feels like so you me. don't think that richie was for real uh well you know <laughs> that was that that's a good good point well made i mean uh, you know that that was a good response but like I think there's a lot of, um, I don't know, maybe not toxic masculinity, but they're, they're not as kind of, I feel, radical as they think they are. And I'd forgotten about this, but James Dean Bradfield a while ago said, uh, it actually worries me that I still like being in a really blokey environment. I always get bored of the company of women really quickly, which I just really, wow. really... When did, he, when did he say that? This was about, I think 
maybe 18 years ago something really? like that. Okay. even though they've done like three covers of like females that's quite interesting and they, you know they were with females so but apparently, I'm just like that's so typical sorry sorry apparently he's never sent an email apparently he's a technophobe <laughs> Okay, fair enough. To summarise my my big long rant, like I think the topics that Mannix write about are interesting. Their kind of anti Britpop position is interesting, and the fact that they were so androgynous as well, and and clearly kind of, kind of paid a price for that for for you know for for doing that so brazenly um, at a time when it wasn't so open. But I'm not a huge fan of their music, and I think they're not as radical and interesting as people think they are. Overrated. So we move on to the music. So we Let's move on to the it. playlist. What's your first pick, Carrie? Yeah. So the first, the first pick um, was a "Motorcycle Emptiness" uh, from Generation Terrace in, in from 1992. Um, to be honest, like go, again, going back, it was it was kind of easy. I mean, I guess it'd be like the singles which I I remember uh, as the songs which I didn't like. And then I could just go on Spotify and then I was scanning through. I mean, I scanned through stuff today and I found even, you know, horrible stuff. But still, the, these singles um, were really, like, just listen to this. I, it's really long. This is a super, super long song. And it maybe it would be okay if it was like three and a half minutes or, or something like that. It has some okay, okay bits. But I mean, I still find that it had so many guitar breaks. It kind of had this little kind of doodly guitar which comes in and breaks in every, every single time. I think, okay, a couple of times, okay, but by like the fifth time, I don't know. I'm, uh, I didn't really find it good. And one thing which I kind of spotted going through it, it always felt they had these string sections, which bear in mind the quote of Nicky Wire talking about um, things being done really fast by the White Stripes. It always felt like it was it wasn't a proper string section. It was a, mm. a keyboard string section coming in, and um, and bear in mind they've taken a lot of time between doing albums. And I was a bit like, mm, okay, uh, yeah. So um, how did you go? How did you guys find find it? Because it's one of the the big big early ones for the managed. Ah, uh, so I discovered this probably after. Um everything must go era because they had started to play the old songs on mtv and i when i first heard it i loved it i thought oh like i found like i had no idea what it was about like what the hell was the motorcycle emptiness um but i enjoyed the ambition it was you know it's, it's quite rare that a band who on their first album will have a no a song this epic and i'm sure if they were allowed to they would have a string section but i agree it does seem a bit dated now with that synths uh sound instead of the set of strings but um yeah i, I like the guitar riffs <laughs> and I've, I've heard it many times like many times live and it, it always works for me um it, it does stick out on an album because the album's really weird it's like it's half it's like punk half it wants to be metal but then you have these like epic pop songs it's like it does sound like a band who didn't really know what they're doing back in those days that is interesting for i mean from my experience of so, well playing and sometimes going to the valleys as well you'd kind mm. of have this uh you'd have bands who would actually have this kind of they could play pretty well but it would be almost this okay now we're doing a punk song now we're doing a metal song and now we're doing like a brit pop song and um that seemed to actually happen quite a bit so, so maybe um, it's the whole repertoire in that first album it's, it's i'm thinking like maybe is it just because wales is a smaller place and so the influences are more varied than say like i don't know i'm thinking of a town like south end when the horrors and these new puritans were there it was a bit more kind of 
zoned in on something uh it, it could be that it, it could be i mean again like going to uh going to the valley sometimes you did kind of sit around the table and you'd have this it was interesting you'd see like kind of goth kids with we say like the kids in like sportswear the like uh and and everyone but everyone's like a friendship group because you don't yeah. really have the choice not to do it so no, exactly um, i do wonder yeah. that because i mean yeah belgium is a is a mesh for that as well like definitely electronic and rock very often predominate but i don't think there's that much snobbery between the genres people will go to other concerts i think because it's a smaller scene do you rate his guitar playing uh curry so, I've, so with the manics bear in mind because I also looking at the artwork and things like that, there's pretty much everything which they do is what I, do, what I personally wouldn't wanted to have done as a band or as a guitar as a guitar player. Um, there's I, I made those, and there's some things which I almost felt like some bits sounded like a, a decent guitar player in school who's got a nice little like lick, <laughs> um, and that's how I kind of felt about it. And I felt like I could play that. And then I would realize what I was doing, and then I would say, "I need to stop and try and change my direction here." <laughs> so, Babs. So I read about this song for years before I first heard about it because I think having been, uh, you know, exposed to "This Is My Truth, Tell Me Yours," Manic Street Preachers, and then getting more into rock music and reading a lot of Q magazine, uh, I kept reading about like, "Oh, Motorcycle Emptiness," the classic Manic song, the classic Manic song. And then when I finally heard it, I was like, "Really? This is pretty standard." British, sorry, rock. I think it's 90s, How Soon Is Now But Not As Good. And um, it's so long. Like, I actually don't think I'd heard it all the way through. And it just kept going and going. I think I, I wonder if the music video is shorter or something, because I do remember mm-hmm. seeing that. And yeah, I've written that many people think the riff, riff is genius. I find it I find it a bit annoying because it's so repetitive and, um, and the song is so long. But I do like the title, The Motorcycle Emptiness. It definitely is evocative and of course when you look up what is it about and yeah it's about uh finding temporary happiness and fulfillment in spending and buying a luxury but after a while that feeling goes away and you're left empty sure that's that's a good theme i like that as a theme but music wise not to my cup of tea yeah fran what did you think um because what did you think of the guitar playing and what's your what's your feeling well so i have um, here comes a bingo part. So working in a music store, um, <laughs> we had like a couple of like proper like manic fans, you know, with like the, the glitter and the eyeliner. And both of them said that it's all about Nicky's amazing lyrics and James's guitar playing. And they would say that he's the best British guitar player of our generation. So people would always say that, oh, but he's an amazing guitarist. And I guess when you do see him live, it is just him a lot of the time doing doing everything. So he's you know, he's he's got you know, he's he's got he's got a talent. But as you do said, he does show off a little bit. But I guess they were kind of into like poodle rock in the eighties, weren't they? A little bit. I think they like Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses. So they probably were wanting to do that sort of like show off style Newly. guitar playing. Yeah. yeah. So I see. I think it comes from that. But uh, moving on to your next track, which has a little noodling. Yeah, it does. And John, so again, like when I went to Cardiff and being, I mean, you know, I, I, I like quite a lot of different music, but especially in this time, a lot of guitar music and kind of loud guitar music. Everyone was like, you're always going on about how you don't like the match. You've got to listen to the Holy Bible. You've got to listen to the Holy Bible. You're definitely, it's different to the other ones. You're going to, you're going to like it. Um, and to be fair, from the the other songs this one is one which i like more i still feel it's a little bit long for the kind of style of 
kind of track where it is but it is frantic and i kind of like this kind of frantic and i also like his vocal delivery in it more than i like it from uh from other songs which because it feels a little bit more uh yeah frantic and kind of pushing th- pushing through yeah without still loving it there's still other songs of this kind of style which i think ah i am there's better versions of this song <laughs> but but it's still it's still decent you know it's, it's not gonna it's not i'm if my wife asked me to turn it off in the kitchen i would say oh we can we can listen to this so yeah like when i bought everything must go i was then told by all of the call it indicates but have you not heard the holy bible fran so i then finally got to the holy bible and um i think it's their worst album and i think faster is the only song i could listen to on the entire album i'm sorry guys we're gonna be crucified I'm so- well i don't <laughs> want to hear about you know it's like songs about anorexia and abortion and okay it's i i, I get it but there's literally no, no melody or choruses. It's just yeah. I find in that album, it's James is struggling to find a melody to fit the lyrics. Like the lyrics are that important that the song, the song melody fails because they're trying so hard to fit in all his lyrics. And it doesn't work for me on, on many songs. And uh, I apologise, Manage fans, but <laughs> it is not great. It is not the best album of the nineties. I will say, I will say, so I love James Dean Bradfield's voice. I think his voice is incredible. And I will agree with both of you that it feels underused in, in a lot of songs. Like I feel like there's so much more that could be, could be done on this one. Like, yeah, he, I, I much prefer this to motorcycle emptiness. And I, I actually didn't realize I knew this song and didn't realize this was the manic. So I have no idea. Was it an, an indie disco? I, I've heard it before, but I don't know where. Um, and yeah, I like how it shifts in tone and there's this kind of wonky guitar solo and, and he's shouting a little bit. But yeah, I, I don't feel the need to listen to it more than twice just to kind of get a handle on it and I'm like, okay, I'm done. You know, that's that's it. But the chorus is great. I am stronger than Mensa, Miller and Mailer. I spat out Plath and Pinter. I am all the things that you regret, a truth that washes that learn how to spell. I mean, that, that is catchy, but, uh, but what is not it, enough. What is it about, no? What yes, is what, yes, What is it about, yes. no? Yes. So really? it's about, uh, um, Genius says, it is a defined explanation of how notorious lyricist Richie Edwards lived his life among a judgmental society, Fran. Yeah, I don't believe it. I think, I think, <laughs> I, I, I think yes, well done. You've read some philosophy, some philosophy, Richard. Well done. You don't have to keep mentioning every time you fucking write a lyric. You know, <laughs> some, some you, know, you can write a song that means something to people. You don't have to to show off by quoting people every four but seconds. I, I don't mind that. See, see, I don't mind that they're that they're doing that. Uh, but yeah, I think it's when it affects the music and the melody that's the but yeah do you not think though it's, 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 that album's just far too wordy it's like i have not heard that album oh, really? like, oh, no okay. really i just I, I think with the manics i try i try and then i'm like no this is just is not for me oh babs this is nice you sound like you're just talking for me so <laughs> I, I mean again this is your podcast so all the manics fans like, they're yeah be, they're coming for, they're, for, for they're, Mars, not you. Yeah. <laughs> their next track design a di- design for life um mm-hmm. it doesn't start particularly well for me and that kind of continues into being like getting more and more close to 10 off the whole way it through kind of goes and then it has a it has a chorus which um i guess like this i can understand why it's going to hook people in um for me it's like and because i guess it's in my head and that's what i kind of remember with the way it seems for the max but it actually um again just left me more irritated than um and and that was growing up and that's probably as a teenager when i would have first heard it when's it from like 90 96 96 so yeah i'd been like 12 maybe like between 12 and 14 i guess when i'm like hearing it like uh and um so 
I get why I, I get this like quite why it's kind of got big, especially in like Radio One and UK kind of like radio play or something like that. But um, again, it's another song which I kind of um, just carried on the theme of being like, oh yeah, I remember why I wasn't so much into this band. On a night out in Cardiff, is this track yeah. always played uh, at like midnight for people to sing along to? Well, yeah, there'd be this, and there'd be um, Super Furries. Super Furry Animals would also get quite a bit of um, play, but I quite enjoyed the Super Furry Animals. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but is the song about like you know this isn't a working class? I think it likes, is. You know, so it's quite ironic when you then have people going, yay, who are drunk, so yeah, I love this. But he's, isn't he saying life is more than just getting drunk in the weekends? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm jumping in already, but like, I actually never paid attention to the lyrics, but it's obviously about that. It's about the mm. working class life and its trappings because he says, we don't talk about love, we only want to get drunk. It's like our feelings have to be bottled because all we're doing is, is working and, and kind of living for... You know, as much as we can. So, uh, so then yeah. Get, yeah, then at festivals, you then get the people who are drunk going, yeah, love isn't it. That, isn't that British though? Because there are so many bands, like we've talked about Kasabian, we've talked about mm. Verve, where the lyrics are so much deeper, the meaning behind them is so much deeper, but because it's catchy, people sing along. It's interesting though, because that's but it's that kind of thing, which because I don't like, uh, there's like a certain kind of, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess we're going to get onto uh like lyrically i'm like much more aware of my underrated choice but like there's there's things that which i find a lot more kind of cynical and a bit more kind of poking fun at things rather than maybe oh, the manics do not poke fun they no, take they themselves don't. very it's, seriously it's very much kind of like here's the here's the recipe or like here's what's on the label and they are here's some things there but i will say that i do like the song um i've heard it many many times and yes it's got the chorus is mediocre for I guess you know, it's a typical sort of like punchy chorus, but it does work. And when you hit, when you go to like a festival and everyone sings along, it's it's a it's a nice moment. And occasionally, people put their arms around you, whether you want to or not. <laughs> Pre-COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to distance myself from you here, Kerry, and totally agree with Fran. I bloody love this song. Um, oh. I think it's absolutely genius. And I I also really dislike the strings on Motorcycle Emptiness. I think they're, they're beautiful. The rhythm guitar accompanying them as well. The drums keep it all going. And the fact that it ends with just the drums, I think gives it this kind of like, I don't know, it, it builds and then it stops and, and you're left a bit bereft uh, afterwards. It, it's often a song that, you know, in the right mood makes me cry, honestly, because the way it builds, especially the, the last chorus mm. where the strings go... Up so um, yeah. The, for for me, not a song to prove that they're they're overrated. I wish there were more songs like this. But do we know which song kept it off from number one spot? Oh, can you give us clues? Yeah, come on. So what? Hang on. Let's let's uh, Babs. Let's just have a look here. So what are we talking about? We're talking 1998. Six ninety six. It's a solo artist of a different genre, and he spent a lot of his time inside. Solo artist of Inside. a different genre who's who's a went oh, to prison. Oh, Adam Snow, Rickett. Snow Informer. No, he's he's English. Not Adam Rickett. He is from the same city as Kasabian. Leicester. Who's from Leicester? Who's from Leicester? Leicester. So, you lied to me. Oh, Mark Morrison. <laughs> Mark, Mark, Mark Morrison. Oh, but no wonder he kept him that. that. <laughs> Oh, that's a banger! That's a banger! That, of that is a banger. Well, that Manix, is a banger. Manix must have been livid. What are you talking about? He was saying about the big issues there. 
But um, I'll just finish for this. So what's I think is quite nice. So they they were invited to open um, the Cardiff Central Library, and there's a plaque inscribed with the opening lyrics. And apparently, a male voice choir performed a version of the song, and Nicky Wire described it as spine tingling. That's see, that sounds lovely. I'm I'm much more on board with this kind of manics. What's your next pick, Kerry? All right. So what do, what do they have up here? Um, if you tolerate this, your children will be next. From this is my truth, and so this is my truth. Tell me yours from 1998. Um, kind of similar feeling really to the other the last song I don't feel like I'm doing a very good job of um, selling these but what and if I can just not really talk about the song but I can talk about the album artwork for this this is another example of uh, why uh, the Mannix uh, were not one of my favorite bands because looking at this this does not want me doesn't want to make me play in a band at all some guys on a beach in some baggy white things looking up at the thing i don't know what it is bear in mind the, the hard topics which we're talking about here does that say hard topic to you but this is this is the duality of manix isn't it but yeah there we go going back to the song um it does have it does have a nice it does have a nice intro um into it and again it's like one of those 90 songs it'd be on like compilations which i was listening to um and i guess the again the hook the hook of it again it's like i don't know if it's like an obvious, it's, it's kind of true. I guess it's kind of true. It's kind of could be political, but it also feels a little bit like school poetry or something like that. You know, if you're kind of being like, uh, like deep on things about like how things are going, that you know your children are going to be next for it. <laughs> yeah, I remember like this having the uh, top of the pops premiere back in those days when that was a thing when people cared about music videos and being really excited and then like watching and thinking, oh, all right. Uh, what the fuck is that? And yeah, it's um, I I have no idea how this became a number one single. I guess just on the strength of the last album, I find it like MOR radio rock with a lyric about the Spanish Civil War. Um, I don't, I've never gotten the song. I find it really boring. But also, it has this thing as well with the, the big strings coming at some point again, but it doesn't. Not big strings big yeah sound keyboard strings but but unlike design for life has had like that glorious chorus it the chorus is just like uh, and if you tolerate this yeah. like do you does, that, does he mean it I, I think the next track was that the sun you stole the sun from my heart was a, a that's a banger was, was that's a banger a, that's a banger but yeah, yeah this to me has never done it I, i've never understood how this was like a, a number one single for them but well, do you know what? I thought the same before listening to this song. Like I said, the video creeps me the hell out. But I, I think I pretty much only listened to this song with the video, even though my mum had this album and I think I, I have inherited it. So it's it's probably behind me. But listening to the song with some distance, you know, when it wasn't on TV all the time, I actually really appreciated the woozy guitar at the beginning. And I think the strings here work so i i enjoyed this much more i think because it hasn't been forced down my throat um and i had no idea it was about the spanish civil war and it's about the 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 people like george orwell who volunteered to be part of the international brigade so actually listening to it now and thinking about what's going on in the ukraine Mm. it feels it feels i guess more apt to us europeans now than than before but yeah god does the music not match the lyrics really <laughs> i think this is this is the the epitome of it well the next one as well perhaps but um uh, yeah. do you know uh who they were fighting against for number one for this single this oh, one okay more clues please <laughs> it's a manufactured pop band and then later on they did the same with the album and it just beat them of the album there's a bit of a, a rivalry the second album uh uh second album what are the songs is it, it's not fever forever is it no it's not spice girls it's not it's, 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 it's all, all saints 
keep going at worse than All Saints. That's not All Saints. Girl band or boy band? Uh, oh, mixed band. Mixed band. Hearsay. Hmm? Is that Babs? I said steps. Ding, 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 oh, ding, ding. Oh, there we go. Five, wow. six, seven, eight. Yes. My boots they, scooting, they, baby. Them and the steps had a, had a rivalry for the single and the album. Oh, <laughs> Who's I love it. to number one? H versus Nicky Wire. And look, they're both still oh, oh. around. Uh, and H, so, H is also a Welshman. He is. He's also a Welshman. Who oh, occasionally um, gets mixed up with the wrong uh, the wrong Ian Watkins. <laughs> but yeah, what's your what's your final manic song, Carrie? So, so I, what I was kind of aware of when I was uh, giving you, I was kind of very much in the nineties there. So I thought I need to try and go through, try and find something which is more modern. I got as far as um, two thousand seven, and um, I think is this song done with the girl from the Cardigans? Yes, yes Nina Pearson. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Cardigans had some quite okay songs, and then there was this. Uh, which I, I just made no school band. That was uh, again the kind of vibe which I, I kind of felt a little bit with the interplay between between the two of them. I still know that James Bradfield. I think he's done stuff more recently with Gweno, who's this um, Welsh Welsh language um, singer who I think is really good actually. So I was almost a bit disappointed when I was looking at it thinking, oh really? Okay, but again, that's kind of the institution of the Manics in Wales with with other Welsh artists. Um, yeah, so again, it's just a song which. I mean, for the size of them, it's a it's a it's a song which could get some radio play, but it's not it's not fantastic. Yeah, I'm back on board, Kerry. I think this song is so fucking annoying. I it really annoyed me when it came out, and that it's not enough, not it. Oh, it really it really annoys yeah. me. Ugh. And analyzing it as well, they are both people with great voices, and they don't harmonize at all. They're just singing the same line. Like, what a wasted opportunity. Um, I would I would say, yeah, what surprised me is because I thought, oh gosh, have the Manics done a straightforward last song? Haha, <laughs> of course they haven't. Uh, apparently it was taken from the actual last line of a suicide note of a friend of somebody we knew really well, which gives a different edge to the song because there are lyrics that said, like, I could have seen for miles and miles, I could have made you feel alive, I could have placed us in exile, I could have shown you how to cry. So again, there's this like amazing regret offset by this big melody uh, which is which is interesting, I guess. Not many people are doing that, but yeah, not for me. Fran? <laughs> Hello. Um, so this was after two kind of albums which didn't get great sales. And I, I this is when I think Nicky came back saying that we want to be the biggest band in the UK again. So mm-hmm. I wonder this is why they wrote probably the poppiest single to date. Um, I wonder if there's no harmony so that he could sing it live because they do this live and James does both vocals. So I wonder, I've only get Nicky Wire doing his cameo line um, randomly, um, but I, I don't hate this. I mean, I, I mean, I guess I like pop music a bit more than most people, but it's got a simple hook. It's 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 surprising uh, fair from the Manchester Peaches. I don't think I expected to have a a joyful duet um, around around that time, but yeah, it's. Yeah, I guess it's it's dated now, and it's it's kind of a bit of an easy thing to do, isn't it, by repeating the same line again and again to get a pop hook. But yeah, again, I find this so interesting because you know they're, you know, they have socialist credentials, and I can understand the, you know, because we want to get these ideas into the mainstream, we want to be as mainstream as possible. But surely, isn't that inauthentic? Hmm. That's, that's the question here. Like, if if it's if, if if they're doing it to tick off boxes. Well, oh, yeah, than... um, they are massive hypocrites. So when they were massive in the late 90s, they would have their own toilet. Mm-hmm. This socialist band would refuse other artists being in their own area. And I remember the Levellers, who were 
semi big at a time we were calling them out at, at festivals saying that do you know that the manic the socialists refuse to let anyone touch their alcohol or drink me. or toilets which i guess you know like if you're going to be so out there of course you're going to have that accusation level that you were as i don't know the blurs of this world wouldn't because they're not wearing their heart on their sleeve so much but i guess yeah because it's so extreme it just yeah it, f- it feels like a, a bitter taste i remember like so my first festival was v99 and they headlined it and one of the saddest things I've ever seen in my life was at the end of the gig, uh, Nikki ran on stage to try and kick over his PA system, and it just wobbled. And after three att- <laughs> and after three attempts, he walked off. And it was so oh. god. Look at all, look at all, Nick Wire. Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so good. It wasn't um, exactly Jimi Hendrix smashing his, his guitar, really. Yeah, no. Um, but perhaps I still find it interesting, like what you were saying, kind of like lyrically, though, with it, because I still everything's it's it's kind of dim with stuff, but there's an element of, I, I guess, I don't know. I, I like um, things that are a bit kind of subversive, or, you know, kind of like not necessarily saying exactly what it is on the tin, yeah. and I'm kind of getting that a lot um, autobiographical, or like kind of reading stuff and kind of then repackaging it in your own kind of way. Okay, I guess a lot of people do that. Uh, and I think you said on other ones, I don't care too much about lyrics, but, but then still like, again, coming into this and thinking, oh, I should actually have a little bit further look into what they're doing there and just thinking, I don't know. I don't know if I, um, I'm not sure how much I really appreciate any of, any of it. But uh, but yeah, so, I mean, Kerry, I think, I think we know what you think of the Manic. <laughs> it sounds like putting this place together just solidified your opinion of them being overrated. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what can I say? Um, <laughs> Fran? <laughs> they're halfway between both. So, like, they probably have two good albums and then enough to feel a best of. But they don't deserve... To, like, back in the late 90s, I kind of was a bit sick of them around that time. And they are like, headlining, like, the Cardiff um, Millennium Stadium. So, you know, they were a stadium act. And it's kind of weird being a stadium act We're also, you know, having those lyrics about, you know, <laughs> socialism and everything and being a punk band. But at the same time, you know, having a £100 ticket to go and see them at the, at the Cardiff Stadium. <laughs> and having a private toilet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So I think, yeah, going on this playlist, um, d- yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, like, Kerry, I feel like you picked five of their biggest songs. And I, I truly, I love Design for Life. And I reevaluated if you tolerate this. But I actually had no idea that they had so many albums. I can't believe there isn't an amazing five-track playlist out there. Maybe there's, there's not more than that, you know. And I would, st- despite that, I would still consider them a them as uh as overrated especially i mean again it's kind of the fans you know um but i i think that there's a quote from Catelyn Moran that i didn't uh include because she she said you know we didn't even talk about richie edwards disappearance right which to be honest i didn't really know about um but i didn't realize that he'd been spotted afterwards and stuff like that and maybe he did really disappear but um Catelyn Moran said that he you know he became a core celeb among depressives alcoholics anorexics and self-mutilators because he was the first person in the public eye to talk openly about these subjects not with a swaggering bravado and a subtext of oh look how tortured and cool I am but with humility sense and often bleak humor which I think maybe you wouldn't agree with but I was like okay like again maybe what he stood for and maybe you know in uh total opposition to to Britpop that's why so many people love them. Mm. Do you know that they still give royalties to him? They've yeah. Got, they give yeah. a quarter of the royalties still to Richie. And an account in his name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which is, it's really sad. Uh, it's it's really sad. 
But there we go. Let's let's not finish on that note. <laughs> <laughs> but I do agree. Yeah, I mean, you can find you can, I can find five songs of Everything uh, Must Go, which would be better than most songs on on this playlist. So you can find that. Yeah, they do have some some great tracks. I yeah, just you think... stole the sun from my heart and mm. tsunami as well. I actually I really like as well, and that's the strings that they're most beautiful. But honestly, I feel like any other album in any other direction I've gone in, I have found nothing else that I. Like. Well, they've even even recently they, they've kind of gone a bit more electronic, and I think they've got a song called like Walk Berlin or something, which has got like some new wave. So really, they are still trying to do um, different things. They are dabbling. Just, I guess. Unlike a lot of bands from that to, era, no? yeah. Well, I guess there's some bands from that era, like Ocean Colour Scene. It's the same Ocean Colour Scene album again, <laughs> so they are trying to to push it a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I dipped in a bit today, but I just came across Nicky Wire doing some like demo covers, and I was like, well, oh, dear. <laughs> I wish I knew that. But um, I do think going back to Richie, I, d- I do think you made a very good point there, Bab. So I would definitely agree with with that. Um, um, what that, he stood for, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. This kind of thing, and. Um, yeah that was something else but again i still think when he disappeared i was like too young to really um take that on board what that was you know i'm like yeah and i think the for real thing that is that was quite a stunt and it kind of i I feel like it almost doesn't matter what the the motivation was because it's just like it is it is there in in blood sweat and and tears you know like that is definitely them not being posers in any any sense of the of the words but yeah i guess it's surprising how he only featured was it the first two three three albums first three albums and, and then he uh, wrote the lyrics to the fourth album yeah uh and how they they managed to carry on and and keep that essence that's that is really impressive but um and i will mention that yeah. we haven't mentioned sean moore so hi sean hi sean uh <laughs> I, I i was reading about like he's really into is it motorbikes or something like his wikipedia page was very <laughs> it was very funny because it was like uh yeah so simon price wrote that sean moore is quite possibly the only person in rock who doesn't take the manic seriously <laughs> and he has a strong interest in motoring there we go and he plays a mean trumpet listen we may we may think they're overrated but we come with the hashtag facts hello this is a promo for a podcast about a playlist yeah yeah it's called playlist yeah yeah my name's mike lash former actor former comedian former creative former cool dude this is Kay Mitchell, former musician, former art student, current cool dude. We've created a playlist, a fucking brilliant playlist. The best playlist ever to the point where we spoke to each other about how good the playlist is and that we wanted to be the people at a party who's putting on the music and only putting on a few seconds of the music before changing the song because everyone loves those guys at a party. That's us. So each week we have a guest and they have to choose one song to define them as a human person. person one song for me mike lash to sing right after and then because mike is not the best person in his family we've incorporated his mum to give her insight into each song which will maybe help the guest to define themselves as a person but really we probably shouldn't get bogged down in the format of the podcast it's really heavily edited so it's not actually that boring it's quite short so i really think you like it kerry's kids are home so it's probably the end of this promo it is what is it www.playtheshare.com and available wherever you get your podcasts underrated To your underrated pick, Kerry, who do we have? On the flip side, one of my least favorite bands, probably one of my my favorite bands, which um, is is McCluskey. And I 
before I went to university, uh, back in the days of living in home counties, getting XFM, I remember hearing some McCluskey on the radio. I didn't really know, uh, which led me to buy a album. And then I went off to uni to Cardiff. And I just assumed McCluskey was an, an American band. Um, and then I got to Cardiff in 2003. Uh, and then I listened to him in my, my dorm. Uh, and then that was like 2004. And I was like, oh McCluskey are playing in Cardiff I should go see that band but then I didn't go see them and they broke up in January 2004 um and then I found out where I actually studied uh I think just after I started like maybe in the freshers week they played there and the guy who was in the old band with he saw them he said yeah it was really great but we were going out so I watched the first 15 minutes and then left and it was like one of the last gigs in Cardiff so um um yeah so so that was uh, how I, I kind of discovered McCluskey and uh, then really kind of got into them. But um, Andrew Falcus, who is the, the lead singer in them, also had another band after, which was Future of the Left, um, who I did see a lot in Cardiff and saw them in Berlin. Um, and I really, uh, especially, well, the first couple of albums from Future of the Left, I really, really liked. And it definitely felt like a continuation when I went back and started back cataloging the McCluskey albums which which I had as well and um, um, yeah so that is me on McCluskey um, how did you how did were you guys aware of them or um, uh, and how did you how did you uh, find it I was aware of the name and I think like back in the early noughties I think Melody Maker would have a CD on, on the cover occasionally with like like a mix CD and I think McCluskey were on there and uh, when I I think they were kind of linked to like like, like more of the heavier side of, of British indie alongside like early Idlewild and maybe like six by seven um like the uh, the more shouty indie of the turn of the turn of the century but this for the bingo card this is tick 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 yeah <laughs> tick 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 but they're called like like hardcore but i don't think they were, i wouldn't really name or post hardcore yeah, yeah post hardcore that, noise, really? noise rock sometimes i don't know like so um, many so many words so many names yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're a three-piece guitar band like, you know i mean i knew the name i've been i on your playlist i didn't recognize any songs but when i did some further deeping i thought oh yeah here we go I, there was one song that I, I recognized but yeah i i yeah they're not a band who i own anything of at all babs so this was an interesting one because i definitely heard the name and i presumed that i my, my imagination was oh yeah i think they're a bit loud and i don't like them from hearing them once but it turns out in 2016 i had listened to them and saved two of their songs to my spotify playlist including one that you've picked today carrie and another song that's not on here called she will only bring you happiness i oh, had yeah. no idea they were from wales i had no idea that uh andrew falcus was also in future of the left i had no idea that he was christian fitness that james acaster covered in the perfect sounds book and the podcast and uh even interviewed him as well so i was like oh my god like this guy is linked to so many different uh parts of british music that i i did know about but but i hadn't realized it and and i i you know i listened to the songs that i saved and i was like oh yeah this this is really good uh how how have i not known about this but yeah they only have fifty one thousand monthly listeners i wondered how big they were outside wales especially given that they worked with steve albini uh on the on the two two of the three albums so yeah i was i was really surprised that they were you know music aside i'm i was really surprised that they weren't bigger than they were given 
given their reputation and given who they worked with. So I came in, you know, ready, ready to listen. Are they as passionate about being Welsh as, say, the Manics, or do they not mention it? No. Well, so the thing, <clears throat> so um, Falco, he's from Newcastle. The uh, and then I'm not sure because then they've had like some the, the I'm not sure where the bass player John was from, and then they changed the drum. I think the drum was originally Welsh, and then they changed it for Sky Jack, who also plays in Future Left now, mm-hmm. and he's I think he's from Portsmouth. So um, okay. Yeah, I knew Future of the Left. Um, I knew a couple of songs, and I was not. I was surprised. I had no idea they're linked. He sings to me. He sings differently in Future of the Left. Does he change the style? Future of the Left, even. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess. Um, Less abrasive, maybe. Yeah, I, th- I uh, yeah. So, so I think I, I think he always thought McCluskey was a more simple band from like some interviews which I heard mm. than McCluskey uh, of them Future of the Left. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I definitely yeah, maybe maybe I maybe there's definitely like some I don't want to call it poppy. It's not really poppy. It's just melodic. Maybe maybe like ha- have either of you heard Christian Fitness, which is just no. Falco. So Christian Fitness is a lot more experimental and a lot less heavy as well. And I mean, there's definitely a sense of humor in McCluskey from the songs that you've put on the playlist, Kerry. But Christian Fitness is absolutely bloody hilarious. I really, I really recommend checking it out for for the lols at least. I have noticed a lot of UK comedians do like McCluskey in the same way of like half man, half biscuit kind of vibes. But, I mean, even like the description of one of their albums on Bandcamp, you know. So he, I was, I was listening again to the kind of James Acaster thing, and and apparently, so Falco says that it's not a a solo project; it's a one man band, and he's really trying to give the credit to the other people. So it says. Jack Egglestone played drums on it, and Anthony Chapman mastered the thing. They are all good people. Shower them with garlands. It is different from Future of the Left in that it is, it is entirely written by me at home, as opposed to the Future of the Left, which I love, where the music happens loudly in a room and is written and shaped by all three of us. I hope you like it. If you don't, other albums are released every day. Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're quite self-depreciating. Isn't it true that when they played live originally, they would tell people they can go to the bar now because they're going to play some slow songs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, things you need to listen because, like, there's a Future Left live album and there's a McCluskey live album, and uh, and there's even I think on Bandcamp as well McCluskey reforms. So not with the original lineup, but I do want to see them. Um, and but still, the in between banter is kind of along the lines of going to a stand-up comedy night and mm. then they go into some music which i also really like see that is interesting because i said to fran that uh, i i saw that they reformed and they're playing a bunch of co- concerts every single one of them in an english-speaking co- uh, country so it's uk canada uh north america and australia and i'm like but your music definitely fits in belgium when noise know, rock what, is a huge okay, thing so i don't um I wrote a while ago to to Falco about that, and I said, "What's going on?" I said, "Is it Brexit?" And he was pretty much like, "Yeah, yes, yeah." Oh. It's um the um the, uh, I think the you know paper trail which you need to like have in place to then go play in Europe is um a bit more tricky now since yeah, Brexit. Definitely, uh, and yeah, shout out to Blood Red Shoes who we talk about a lot because they're finally touring their sixth album and they're going to every other country but Belgium and they've literally like we know we know that we're not coming to every country but trust me we tried and they they have a huge fan base here so yeah a shame they seem to be quite big in Australia McCluskey like I, I was listening to a podcast and I had two, he's on two podcasts in Australia and you say he's playing to like you know, about 800 to 1000 people so I was quite shocked by yeah, that's right. I had a friend actually when I first moved here did a German course and she was Australian. She was like, oh, I fucking love, I love, I love McCluskey. And then um, he, um, 
But then also I heard apparently going to Australia, they said, oh, you actually get treated like a, a proper band there because you get paid properly, you get fed properly and um you know they kind of actually make a big deal out about you coming mm. uh, whereas especially i think going around the uk circuit was sometimes a bit thankless because people were like oh they're going to be background in like four months time anyway so um maybe i'll go there just i'll just watch them and then have a drink at the bar and i guess they may not have really fitted in in that scene because obviously like you had the france Ferdinand and kai's shoes then like they were maybe too heavy for that sort of that sort of they came a little bit before that's mm. it like uh what was interesting about this i can definitely hear their influence in in modern day bands i'm sure we'll get into it uh but it, it was just before like the the last album was 2004 i think it was like 2000 2002 2004 so I think this kind of music wasn't at all mainstream in that time. It was new metal in the beginning of indie, right? And it sets them apart. And again, because we love mentioning them, Blood Red Shoes, who were also similarly inspired by by similar, I think, loud American bands, said that they always felt that they they you know stood out and they didn't fit into a particular scene, and that's that was really difficult. Yeah, I guess what two thousand two is probably like Coldplay and Starsider were probably the biggest indie Travis. bands in the UK. Yeah, yeah. nothing yeah. nothing like McCluskey at all. Well, yeah. I'm trying to think of like eighties matchup Beeline disaster would oh, kind of maybe. Be, be, they had a bit more glam to them, maybe. Well, yeah, they did. I mean, like more and of a, a bit less abrasive. I would say. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There's some pretty abrasive, like uh, 80s Matchbox stuff. But oh, I mean, I can uh, get. In, I, I fucking love 80s Matchbox, and I I've actually seen Love and Bright, and I, I love them. But yeah, what is your first pick from McCluskey? Yeah, so it was a difficult choice, um, but I tried taking on your advice of, of um, flipping between albums. Um, it's maybe not one of my absolute favourite songs, like musically, but I do like the lyrics of it. Um, as, you know, just kind of, it's a bit like kind of childlike, but it's also um, this kind of a bit sneering thing of, well, you know, I would say I'm a white liberal and you can kind of just, kind of thing of people being always kind of correct but then being kind of, could be kind of criticized for it and I, I i really quite like it and it's kind of it's kind of like funny and it's what the manics aren't <laughs> you know in, in lyric lyric kind of turns so I, I i really um that's that's why why i chose it and i also liked that the production on it's not quite as in my eyes as good as the ones which you get onto later but i still like it when it kind of explodes into this like loud and shouty kind of bit as I, get, well. I get the impression that he's not a fan of, the, of this album and he tells people about the second album's basically the debut album really i don't know if that's true or not or... I, I i could kind of imagine it because i was looking back so when i was thinking about mccluskey when i the first songs which i heard which were there's a couple of songs which almost like like blues like blues rock mm. it sounds like blues rock influence on it which probably got me into them but then they're the songs which i definitely have kind of left behind now and in terms of the albums which i really like um yeah the second and third but i wanted to choose something as well um you can see why they've been linked to the pixies it has a quiet loudness i came away enjoying the fuck you everyone's a hero line um i think if i was younger and less well adjusted, I may enjoy this. I put down it's a a, a rude romp, but maybe too rude for me. I I, I oh, put I put could you cannot call, wait for the rest of this. <laughs> could you call them the little pixies or are they the spa sonic youth? <laughs> incredible, incredible wordplay there. I chose European supermarkets for our audience obviously. Oh, well, thank, you, thank you very much for that. Well, I appreciate <laughs> Okay, so bear in mind, I didn't think I, I knew them and I thought I wouldn't like them and they would be very noisy. So it starts with this fuzzy bass and I was like, oh, yes, please. Then this kind of 
jarring melodic lead, lead guitar comes in and his voice is sounding very vulnerable uh, at the beginning so I was like oh am I gonna like this but then yeah when the screaming came in I, I'm on board again tick um, and I stayed on board for the rest of the song I enjoyed the unpredictability I enjoyed it even more on the second listen when I knew it was gonna be all over the place and yeah I just I I was not expecting this sound because yeah I, I read pixies a lot but i feel like the quiet bits where there's minimal accompaniment i'm almost hearing like prince hon dance school or help she can't swim you know those like very minimalistic indie bands where it's kind of two vocalists and 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 like one instrument and i was like how do they do that how how do, can they give off that vibe um and yet also have these absolutely insane guitars and and it somehow works but um i can't really interpret the lyrics but i did write write down save me alta vista they've got cauliflower ears <laughs> yeah i don't i have to say i think because uh, this is things so of fan i'm again I'm, I'm old enough to know better but i still do enjoy fuck you because everyone's a hero <laughs> because um i know enough people who i think oh yeah all right it's a nice emo you wrote there Saving, saving nothing. Do you have any, any of her lyrics tattooed yet at all, Kerry? I don't have any. I don't have any tattoos, and that's not because I'm against tattoos. It's just I'm just always concerned because of the thing, fan. I'm saying that mm. now as a 38 year old. I'm thinking, yeah, it's really good to have. Fuck you, because everyone's a hero, and then maybe, maybe I'm, I'm you know, going to turn 40 in a couple of years, and I'll yeah. be looking at the thing. Maybe Henna. Maybe Henna. <laughs> You're yeah, right, exactly. actually. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't swear. Oh, well, henna tattoo. tattoos, of course. For the festival season. You know, lovely. <laughs> what's, your ne- what's your next pick? Um, so, yeah, the next pick is Without MSG, I Am Nothing from The Difference Between Me and You from 2004. And, and that's the last time which I did, um, which wasn't as critically acclaimed as the McCluskey Do Dallas, the one before that. But I really like this album and I really like the song because I kind of like things which are droney and I like that the bass line maybe has one note, um, which is very, very loud. And um, and the guitar riff from seeing some live videos often has people almost sounding like they're singing like a football chant, which feels quite funny for um, this song. Um, yeah. I've, say so I thought, that maybe the guitar could be high in the mix, like it's very bass heavy. You can you can barely hear the guitar a lot no of the time. Thing. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's repetitive. It's got some yelping. I thought the chorus was singing "Everywhere I Look, a Dog Mess," um, but <laughs> but yeah, it's not really for me. Unfortunately, it's not my kind of thing. Here, I thought the guitar works straight away i'm i'm on board then the dirty scuzzy bass comes in i like the doo doo doos i really like the singers singing over each other in the everywhere i look it's a it's a darkness and again i'm just in awe of how their voices almost sound whimsical i don't understand how they do it i don't understand how they manage to to have that atmosphere and yet have those absolutely mental guitars and you know, when I was when I was listening to these songs, I'm like, I absolutely need to watch like live versions of this to see. So there's a um, a few songs of them performing at Dingwalls in 2019, and yeah, the crowd are singing along, and I was like, oh, can you can you imagine? Oh, and actually, I forgot to mention this, but when I was doing um, research and I found out that they're doing this this tour 
2022 the comments were absolutely hilarious on this stereo gum article and i just want to read out two of them so this guy said now i'm in my late 30s i've very much become a hang in the back slash balcony guy at shows however i'm ha- i'm having a hard time imagining a scenario where i don't lose my shit once the set starts and someone else said i'm gonna go to this and throw myself at other du- dudes pushing 40 or 50 and we're all gonna be so goddamn sore the next three days and it's gonna be fucking glorious so, and i'm like yeah fuck yes i i'm I'm on board 100%. Um, I'd give them two songs before we get back ache. <laughs> yeah. We, we yeah, have all head banged and, yeah. and, and face the fucking, consequences. Yeah, get me a fucking Lucasade. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I had to go. Sorry, I had to kick kicks in. Do they sound quite different live? Because obviously the basis has now changed. Um, so, actually, interesting from the Dingwall shows, because I, I saw those as well. And that's where the live albums come from, like the renewed um, lineup. And I really like those new. The, the, I really like the sound of those those live recordings a lot. Um, and I th- my next choice, I think I might even prefer that recording sound to the actual um, album version. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to the next song, which is "You Should Be Ashamed, Shameless," which is probably I, I would actually put it up there as one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, I think pressure. Uh, um, just because, and I, I rate that on based off the fact I still enjoy listening to it, and I've probably been listening to that song for what 18, 18 years now, or or you know eighteen, seventeen, eighteen years, and I still think I still like that song. And every time it comes on, I think I still really like this song because I know what it's kind of coming into. Um, and that Dingwall show, hearing it, just the I kind of it has like these layers. So the riff kind of starts, then it kind of goes from this kind of picking into then strumming and then the bass explodes into it doing the same thing and it's just rough and then the lyrics come in and the lyrics are kind of kind of spiteful and really so this are just just really kind of nasty and again moving away from what the manics were with being a little bit label on the tin what it is this is a bit more kind of feels like personal snidiness towards things and um i can relate to that so yeah falco says he loves the song life because it means he can breathe for a while because he says he, he struggles singing these days. He has to like uh, take different herbal drinks and he's, he's happy that he only had to sing a, th- a three quarters of the set because his voice can't handle it. So this is his favourite song to play live. But yeah, I put down here the Steve Albini and the bass line is infectious. Um, it's got a great guitar line to match. And I put here, this reminds me of six by seven. A lot it's similar I've not, vibe. I've not heard of Six by Seven. Who are they? Six by Seven. They had that album because they had like American beer, but that was very, very different. That was like you've a, got yeah, yeah. I, I guess um, yeah, you got to eat junk to be junk. Yeah, yeah. Their first album is quite similar to this. Then over the years, they brought in more synths. Um, but yeah, I think you would probably like the first album, Babs Six by Seven. Good to know. Good to um, know. Yeah, from from Nottingham. But yeah, it's got it's got a menacing a, a menacing finish, and I go, I, I reckon it'd be fucking brilliant to see live. Yeah, I, I, I love this. Obviously, a very different beginning. I thought the beginning was basically like a simpler Aerials by System of a Down with just that, that very simple guitar, you know, and, and like Aerials by System of a Down launches into something completely different and, and heavier. And yeah, my comments on the music are very similar. You know, everything comes in, uh, uh, you know, one by one and you're like, yes, yes. And then it goes absolutely mad and disjointed in the chorus. And I really like the the... the speed you know how it speeds up and then slows down and the, when it slows down in the verses like you said fran it feels so menacing because you know what's coming 
um and it feels very exciting and yeah the lyrics are i would say for this season ding 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 middle class boredom because it's what's the point of leaving home when you own it what's the point of doing it yourself when it looks so shit that these kids can't even feed themselves what's the point of losing weight if it won't lose you born in cardiff raised by wolves and died on his fucking ass wow (laughs) like what's the next track Next track, next track is, um, and this one was one which I actually replaced another song with because I took it from Kluskyism, which was a compilation album, which had like a lot of B-sides and C-sides on. And I was then looking to do something which wasn't just kind of, um, I guess, like smash you guys the whole time and go for something which was um, a, a little bit different tempo. So it's a hymn for new cars. Um, and it's a song which I, there's a lot of the the B-sides and C-sides which I like, but um, I always uh, enjoyed this one as well. I think it's got really, again, really nice production, especially on like the drum has a really nice snap on it. Um, uh, and it's, again, it's really simple, but I think it's cool. And it, and it has, Again, going back to the manics, what I found annoying with those kind of when I said about the guitar bits there, where I thought oh, I could noodle some bits there, then I thought this had this kind of guitar solo at the end, which kind of just kind of kept going up, which I just quite enjoyed. And um, I really to- enjoyed the phrases "show me your gashes" and the "run them over in the stolen Volkswagen." Um, is it, this is the B side, yeah? It's not an album track, or yeah, exactly. It's not from one of the the three albums, and this is just oh, from yeah. the compilation uh, thing. So I. Yes, it's one of the B sides or C sides. This is uh, my third favorite track. Babs. Okay. Um, yeah, this is probably my least favorite track um, because, uh, f- well, firstly, again, I'm not really a proper musician, but it sounded too loose. Like I almost felt like the the bits where it's just his voice, bass, and drums are almost not in time. Maybe that's that's on purpose. Um, although, and yeah, it's 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 quieter than than the other songs, and I think because. I was expecting it to build to something. I felt like it didn't, and therefore it feels a bit unfinished. But Bring Me the Heads of My Former Opponents is an incredibly strong opening. I enjoyed the fact that it was in 6-8. And once again, I have absolutely no idea what the hell this is about, uh, apart from stolen Volkswagens and, and Show Me Your Gashes. Um, but I, you know, where there were music videos, I tried to find them. So I didn't, I didn't actually realize this was a B-side or a C-side. The only video I found for this song was a video where it's just a very slow zoom in on cats. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, it, I've seen that, yeah. yeah, and I was just like, okay, and the comments were brilliant uh, because someone said, I love McCluskey, I love cats, this is perfect. C- cats take melancholy away a little, still the song fucks me up, show me your gashes. And then someone else just commented, McCluskey cats. And I was like, <laughs> uh, incredible. Um, but yeah. So, obviously, being from the noughties, did they not have many music videos? Because obviously, the, the most bands did back in those days. I don't know. I, I saw because um, I actually had a look as well, and it's over the years I kind of actually had a look. And to be honest, it's one of the things which they they had some music videos. I think next track had a music video. Um, sure, only bring you happiness had a music video, which looked to be honest quite uncomfortable for them to <laughs> like you know they maybe looked like they had to do a little bit of acting. Didn't look like they were that comfortable with it, and even the one where it's kind of playing live in the next choice also doesn't look like they're the most comfortable probably like miming along to what they're playing um so um yeah there didn't there wasn't many there wasn't many videos around which is maybe one of the reasons why they uh, didn't get more traction maybe if you have you know a good video get on something to your, your last track 
Yeah, so here then I was going with, I think it's quite often the show closer at McCluskey night. It was quite often, again, being in Cardiff, you also have like a, being in like a music scene in Cardiff, a lot, a lot of my friends like McCluskey. So going out to indie nights, you were like, put some McCluskey on and they put McCluskey on and this might be the song which you put on and have a little, have a little bop around to. Um, uh, at the end of the night, which is to hell with good intentions, which I also felt was quite a nice uh, last track as we close the podcast. Beautiful, lovely. Yeah, this is a song that I knew when I when I heard it because I remember the line, "Our band's be- better than your band." We've got more songs, whatever. <laughs> We've got more songs than a song convention. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I guess this is our most accessible song. Um, I, I guess this is fantastic with an audience all singing along. Um, it's got this irony. I'm, I'm sure they're not that cocksure. I mean, this isn't the Mannix. And I put down this is kind of like Art Root meets Fugazi or Fugazi. Fugazi, yeah. Fugazi. Oh, sorry, I went a bit too tight. Fugazi, yeah. I think, is. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned Art Root. I think someone from Art Root has played uh, with them uh, live. Hang on, I yes, think. yes, they I saw have, something I, on Wikipedia. <laughs> yes, you're right. Um, hang on, hang on. Even, I'm not sure. Even, it's a bass player. So go on, Babs. Yep, so uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so the band reformed in 2015 uh, to raise money for cancer research with Rat the Magnificent, fe- which featured Ian Katzkilkin of Art Brute. Oh, that's a funny name to say. Yeah. I know we didn't even mention, actually, that, um, you know, again, kind of linking back to other artists that we talked about. So uh, Falco is either married to or was married to Julia from Million Dead uh, as well, yeah. who also used to be in the band for, for a moment. That's right. She, well, she's a she's a bass player in uh, Future of Left now. Yeah, there we go. That's yeah, yeah. the link. Yeah, I had I again like I, mean, I didn't touch upon it, but Future of the Left, I have never knowingly heard any of their songs, and I've also I don't think really really dipped into it. But um, but yeah. Um, so this was the other song that I had saved, uh, and apparently I hadn't listened to it since since 2016. I I think they pack so much into 225. Pure anarchy. I love how Falco sounds more and more desperate as the song goes on and it's this mix again of heavy rock but also football chanting i can imagine with an audience like like fran said this is great and it does sound like they're taking the piss out of uh macho posturing and, and toxic masculinity like the total opposite in a way to il ray fran that we talked about on the mm-hmm. on the kasabian episode because that you know it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek but we know that that's what kasabian were like at, at the beginning this feels like he's he's in he's in on the joke from from the beginning um but it's interesting, Fran, that you say it's their most accessible song because I would argue, and I, and I sent it to you beforehand, oh, yeah, that yeah. Sh- she will only bring you happiness is the is the more accessible song. I, it I is meant, I meant on, on this playlist. Oh, on this playlist, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, wh- you know, when I when I saw how much shouting there was, I was like, oh, this could go either way with Fran, and uh, and yeah, when I heard the song, I was like, Fran, listen to this. This might implicate <laughs> you. <laughs> Patronising my mood, unbelievable. Uh, so, um, Kerry, you. so yeah. which which song defines you? Well, um, I'm going to go with uh, You Should Be Ashamed, Seamus. Because maybe uh, I should be ashamed of myself. Uh, <laughs> to, to quote your podcast. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, yeah, I think I think I would go um, yeah, I would go with that. Just, again, there's a lot of songs which have been with me for a long time, but I still think that's a song which I particularly would like to see live because um, it's just going to be it's huge. So how come you went for the third album? Is that, is that your favourite one? Because obviously people are always banging about McCluskey does that does that as being their biggest yeah. the best album. I, well, I think actually what's interesting, again, with like listen to McCluskeyism, 
and then it was like all these songs which they had all the kind of you know typical greatest hits and going down that and being like oh yeah this this is great this is great this is great this is great and then kind of going back and <clears throat> then looking what albums they're on you're going actually the songs which I really like from that a lot of them are from the third album mm. I mean I still like I still like all the albums and um but still um still that and I think also being in Cardiff at the time when Future Left came out. So the Future Left first album came out in 2007, which had been three years after this. And really, really liking that first album and then kind of listening back and thinking, oh, it's almost, it's kind of like a little continuation there, at least for me. So um, yeah, that's why. Babs, McCluskey, over or underrated? 100% underrated. Uh, This was one of the most enjoyable uh, playlists of bands that I didn't know. You know, I, I really... It turns out I knew them more than I thought, um, but I, I really enjoyed getting into it. And yeah, I'd say apart from, um, what's the quiet song? Him for New Cars. Uh, apart from Him for New Cars, I saved every single song and I'm really looking forward to uh, to getting stuck in. And again, maybe I don't know as much kind of American noise rock. I feel like people talk about Pavement and Why and all these other bands all the time that I'm, I don't really get. But I, I just can't think of another band that sounds exactly like them. Um, like I said, that how they, you know, it's the typical kind of three-piece making a racket type thing. I would say maybe the Belgian band Hyper Christmas Tree Fuzz uh, is is the Belgian equivalent, but they have a lot more synths. Um, and yeah, they, they clearly influenced Idols and other people uh, before the mm. UK and D explosion. However, it is a weird, angular, heavy rock, and it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I, I really think that... It doesn't surprise me that they're not bigger. This type of music in the UK uh, has a more niche appetite. And I was pretty surprised that people kept comparing them to Pixies. I have to, like, sure, quiet loud, but like the loud is very, very, very loud. And I can think of many people who don't like that kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think they're really, really underrated and it's it's up my street. So thank you, Kerry. But I can understand if you don't think they are. Fran? Hi. <laughs> um... <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I guess I'd prefer the sound of Abbey Road than someone's garage. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's it's hard for me to to be on board. But yeah, I don't I don't hate them at all. And two of these tracks, I enjoyed myself. But I think yeah, two out of five means I would have to say not underrated. Um, I think they were probably you know, out at the wrong time. Mm. unfortunately and i guess they're on quite a small label they probably didn't get much push the fact that we can't think of any music videos or any singles isn't going to help a band get popular in the uk so maybe that's what harmed their career uh, I, I prefer maybe future of the left personally but it's got a little, a little bit more sheen to it mm. yeah that's, that's but true. i think you should both check out christian fitness like i said i'd kind of forgotten about them and uh what well, sorry it him whatever uh it's it's much more playful and Fran, I think especially you, you would enjoy how how playful and melodic it is. Well, is there anything else you'd like to recommend from the band? Ah, uh, just go, just just everything, just check out everything. I mean, I'm guessing you're going to do your utmost to go and see them live, right? Well, yeah, that's the thing, that's the plan, that's the plan. Let's see, so uh, that would be. That's but the they're next. not coming to Germany, you know, they're not, not coming, coming to Belgium, to so. Well, yeah. no. So maybe I need to go back to maybe I need to go back to Blighty, have a see how I get on over and, there. And uh, you have a podcast too, I believe. 
Yeah, I do. I do. Thanks. Um, yeah. Um, so um, we're not quite as uh, quick as you guys. We're averaging about like an episode a month, but play this year where we are also, we, we deal with music, but we don't analyze it quite as much. We kind of riff on each other and riff on our guests, depending on if they say the right thing, which you can go on. Um, but it's a lot of fun and we are pretty eclectic with the stuff which we're covering there. Um, so check us out, www.playthisyear.com. Nice. And uh, I, like I was saying, I think before the record that like us, you know, you're a, you're a continental slash UK, uh, podcast. So how, how did it come about? Like, did you, I'm guessing you guys knew each other before? Yeah, it is. So me and Mike, we've known each other for, um, not, well, half our lives now, 19 years. And, um, during lockdown, I'm a big fan of the, because it's how I find out a lot of new music. So I started on Spotify, just making playlists for people and it would always be the rule one song you need to follow that one song you can have a very tenuous link with it and me and mike grew up like listening to a lot of the same stuff so then it would just be kind of doing that and we got really out of control then we got a little bit tipsy and we're like bloody love our playlist it's really this is such a good playlist i think this might be the best playlist ever maybe we should make a podcast about it mike was a stand-up before um i did music before so we're like okay we can kind of um we've got some musician friends we've got some comedian friends let's let's just try and get people on here to to talk about it and let's get your mum involved as well so um i got my dad involved as well so there we go more in common (laughs) (laughs) are we are we riffing each other off (laughs) um yeah yeah so that's so that's how we got into it and um uh, I guess maybe a bit like you guys, it kind of got a little bit obsessive and it's just a lot of fun to start doing it. So, and I think both of you are on our um, uh, uh, guest wish playlist. Uh, we have our, our guest wishes there. So as we as we work our way down, I guess I'm going to be like bugging you guys if you want to come and- uh, Please do. And, love, uh, love going on podcasts where the pressure is off because I don't, <laughs> I'm not the host. So yeah, no, um, I, I, listen to, I listen to your podcast and it does sound in- indeed very enjoyable and very fun. So I'm in. Fran, any final thoughts? Um, listen to podcasts and listen to music and stay safe, guys and get some tattoos of your band's favourite lyrics in Henna, maybe. Perhaps? Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say the very bo- boring kind of keep supporting live music, I think, especially given today's underrated pick, it really gave me an appetite to, to go and watch them live. Oh, I might have to go back to, to Blighty as well. And uh, yeah, Fran, I'm, I'm looking forward to going back to your, well, your country as well, Kerry. Looking forward to being back in the UK very soon. And I'm going to Dalston for an indie night out called Dance Yourself Clean. I am really looking forward to it. <laughs> You're so mid noughties Yeah, I'm so mid noughties <laughs> Oh, come on. mid noughties are the best though, right? Um, uh... <laughs> that, is, that is my era. mid noughties is when I went to university. So yeah. Okay. So see you next time, guys. Bye. Thanks a lot for having me. Bye-bye. Well, that was a lot of fun, guys. I hope you enjoyed the quiz questions and all of our chat about the Mannix and McCluskey. If you enjoyed this podcast, why don't you like, subscribe, and maybe give us a review? We are also on social media. We are on Twitter at OUMusicPod and on Instagram at OverUnderatedMusicPod. We can't wait for you to follow us and let us know of any topics or guests we should try for in Season 5. Until then, have a wonderful summer. Goodbye.